The thing that, that is faith building to, to me is that the tomb would have been the, the physical manifestation of the, of the doctrine of, uh, of eternal families and, and the resurrection. Because he, he wrote somewhere, and, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, it'll probably be blasphemy the way I say it, but, but he basically wanted to wake up on the morning of the first resurrection and say, like, oh, mother, oh, father, you know, high five, we made it, something like, something to that effect, which really encapsulates, he wanted to be there with his family. He wanted his family to be there. He wanted Alvin to be there. He wanted uh, his other, you know, siblings and children that, that they'd lost along the way to be there uh, with them, you know, when they when they arose. And so, so knowing that when he was alive, that's the, the thing that, that, that makes it important to be able to tell that story. At the start of this week, I did not know that this was going to be this week's episode of the Cultural Hall. I had never heard of the tomb of Joseph Smith. I had never heard of Joseph Johnston. I have never heard of Brian Christiansen. Those are the two guests that I have on. This is a two-parter. Uh, we go the first with Brian Christiansen. He is the owner allegedly, of uh, Joseph's tomb. And in the second part, we talk with Nauvoo historian Joseph Johnston. It's an amazing episode. Just a couple of show notes for you. One, all of the episodes now are available. That is the backlog, the cultural hall back row catalog, if you will, uh, are available if you are a Patreon subscriber. The first 225 episodes are now easy for you to be able to listen to. You can get them in your own RSS feed, just like you do for regular episodes of the Cultural Hall. You can start from the very beginning and work towards making your way to being a lifer. A lot of people really enjoying that. They're talking about it in the secret but not sacred group that Patreon saints can be a part of. Uh, if you're looking to be a Patreon saint, I encourage you to do that before the end of this month. Why? Because at the end of this month, I'm getting rid of the annual memberships for a while. Why am I doing that? Well, because I want to and because I can. So you have until the end of this month to be able to get on that. It saves you 16% uh, year over year on the membership. So check that out. Uh, make the move to Patreon if you want to be a part of that. If you have any suggestions as to future episodes, please why don't you just email me, contact at theculturalhall.com. Be sure that you are following us on all of the social medias. We are at The Cultural Hall, and I found a lot of success and made some cool new friendships. I'm shouting out uh, Michelle and also Joy, uh, two individuals who are going to start helping out with The Cultural Hall. You'll see their significant uh, changes and differences that they're making. If you would like to be a part of what we do week over week here, uh, you can also send me an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. Brian and Joseph. It's uh, Brian Christiansen and Joseph Johnston, respectively. That's this episode of The Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. I'm excited because we are talking about the tomb of Joseph Smith. And I know you're thinking, wait, what? And that's what my, my feeling was. I feel embarrassed that I didn't know a little bit about this. Uh, a news story that popped up in my news feed just the other day. Uh, and so I'm excited to be able to talk to Brian Christiansen to find out what this even is, if it even is the tomb of Joseph Smith and uh, everything surrounded. Brian, thanks for coming into the Cultural Hall. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's start with you. Who is Brian Christiansen and why are you claiming that you know where uh, the whereabouts of the tomb of Joseph Smith is? 
Well, I'm a, a businessman in Utah. Uh, I own uh, some child care centers throughout the state. I recently purchased a, a business back in, in Nauvoo that had some stuff that, that we'll, we'll talk about that others have said may, might, be the, might be the tomb. So, so first off, I'm not professing to say that, that I know that I've got the tomb or that I know where the, the location is. But, but there are some, uh, I guess, coincidences, if, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. or, or things that are similar with the, the vault that we found underneath the ground in front of the, the business that I purchased in Nauvoo and the, the tomb that was, uh, that was constructed for, for Joseph Smith back in the time of the original Nauvoo temple. And so the, and, and the, that can be verified through the, the architectural drawings that were done by William Weeks, who was the original architect of, the, of that temple. So I love this because I think for a lot of people, they're probably going, wait, what? This sounds like the sixth Indiana Jones movie that the LDS church were taking over. So the the building, let's start there. What is the, the this property that you have purchased in Nauvoo? And then tell me who this architect is and, and let's get down through all this. So the, the property that, that, that we bought or the business that we bought is on the, the property that's on the corner that's directly kitty corner from the... Uh, the Nauvoo Temple in the southeast direction, uh, right across the the main street there. If you're familiar with Nauvoo, it's across from uh, Mulholland. The uh, historical records talk about the the tomb of Joseph being off of the southeast corner, which is a corner of the temple that they refer to as Joseph's Corner. So so direction wise, that that lines up. When we look at the uh, the the drawings that that William Weeks did for the for the tomb, uh, we see that it was a it was a two chamber tomb. So one side was going to be for the Smith family, the other side was going to be for the, the the Rigdon family. And so if, if you can imagine the tomb, you've got the doors and 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 think about them being feng shui, where you've got the the two doors kind of central for for each side, but then you take one of those those doors away and you just have just the one door. Well, that is uh, the the size of the vault that we have would be those two vault rooms combined. That would just be one one vault room, but that door is functionally just off center to match the exact location of where one of those doors, if it was for the two door uh, tomb. Hmm. One uh, speculation as to the reason why that might have happened, if this were to be the tomb, would. You know, possibly that uh, Sydney and, and Joseph had a falling out a year or two before Joseph's death, which might have uh, accounted for it. But again, that's that's just just speculation. It could also be that it's not the tomb at all, and Correct. and that Correct. that could be what it is. Now, how how did you come to find uh, that this tomb was underneath the ground of the property, or did you know that it was there as you purchased it? So. When I when I purchased it, I was told that underneath the ground there were some red brick arches, and when uh, my family had traveled through to to Nauvoo a decade or so ago, uh, we were told that uh, that those arches might have been like an escape tunnel for the brethren from the temple or something like that. But but it was kind of cool because it was the red Nauvoo brick, and uh, and so that was kind of the the consensus at that time. When we came back to, to look at the business to, to purchase it, uh, there had been a new theory that had been floated about the, the possibility of the tomb of Joseph being uh, on that property. So just like you, I had no, I'd never heard of the tomb of Joseph. 
never knew that anything like that existed uh, or that anything like that was ever built. And so that was, that was news, news to me. So like you talked about Indiana Jones. So the, the minute, it, so I asked the previous time, I said, so what is it? Did you go in there to see? And he said, no, we haven't dug it up to, to see. And I was perplexed, but nonetheless, they, they hadn't done it. So uh, with COVID and it being July, typically that would have been pageant season with thousands of, of tourists through there. But with COVID, uh, Nauvoo looked like Thanos had snapped his fingers and the, the town was empty. And so I, I grabbed a, a friend of, of mine that I, I brought back with me to, to Nauvoo and we grabbed our shovels and, and started digging uh, the, the first night just because we were so excited to get in there. Uh, my wife tells the story, says, no, that wasn't the first thing you did. The first thing you did is you went to the store, you bought a remote control car, a GoPro and, <laughs> and all the stuff because you're going to get something down in there to find out what what was what was in there and so but it, so that's actually true but so we we dig up we we dig up uh, the ground as much as we could and to see if we could we could get in there and there was a, a limestone beam that was that was blocking the the entrance so we couldn't get our our fat bodies basically down into the hole there's only a gap about so wide and so uh so we actually went to the to the hardware store and we bought a, a roto hammer and we were going to make drill holes through this beam, bust it up with the sledgehammer, push the pieces down into it, and then be able to climb down into it and see what, you know, whether it was a tunnel or, or what we were, what we were looking at. Being, being July, uh, Nauvoo is, is very humid. And as the sweat was pouring down us, as we're, we're digging and, and trying to, to open up the, the hole, we didn't want to sit there for another two hours drilling holes through the, through this beam. So thinking, okay, let's just try to, try to pry the, the, the beam out of the way. And, and so we just grabbed our shovel handles and pried on it. And we were actually able to, to get that, that beam to, to pivot just a bit out of the way. So we uh, were able to get it moved enough so that we could get down in there. We go down into the, to the hole and we, we see that we're basically in a, in a, in a vault, a, a room. And, and the actual dimensions of it are seven feet wide by uh, 27 feet long which would be the dimensions of those two, two rooms and the William Weeks drawings combined. And we noticed there were frogs that were, that were down in there that had never seen the, the light of day and they had these giant bug eyes and, and stuff and cockroaches running everywhere. Not, not quite like the, the mummy, but there was enough you know, critters in there that we, we didn't want to lay Why down. did it have to be snakes? Yeah, that's right, exactly. Why'd it have to be cockroaches? But anyway, so we noticed all this cool stuff and I'm, I'm down there and I'm filming. You know, and you can see the, the barrel vault with the, the red Nauvoo brick and, and stuff. And, and, and I come around and as I come to the, to the backside of that beam that we almost uh, drilled through and, and broke, there was a, a keystone that was carved on it on the inside part of the tomb or tomb, excuse me, the vault. And so I was thinking, holy moly, we almost, you know, destroyed something really, yeah. really cool. So on that, that property... Back in uh, 1899 is the, the earliest building that we know that was that was built there, and it was called the the Oshner's Emporium. And that building burned down in the in the 40s, and most of the rubble was cleared away, and and, uh, and a lot of it was kind of you know pushed up you know up against the mound, and it kind of left a, a deep depression on the ground. When they were digging the the foundations for the uh, for the new Nauvoo Temple. The story goes that the Army Corps of Engineers told the church that they had to 
load that dirt onto trucks uh, and put it on barges and ship it across the Mississippi and, and dump the, the dirt in Iowa. But the but that lot that was just kitty corner from the, the temple lot had a big hole. So they asked the, the property owners if, if they could just dump the dump the dirt there, which made sense because they knew they needed about 200 truckloads of, of dirt in order to build a, a building on that on that lot as it stood. So they were great to grateful to get it. Well, as they were dumping the the dirt, they were also dumping Nauvoo Temple Stone uh, from the original foundation into that into that pit. So we have several blocks of stone that's around there. So my first impression was, well, maybe that beam got pushed up as they were excavating and moving stuff for the new building, and that beam might have might have come from the the temple, possibly. A historian in uh, in Nauvoo thinks that it may have come from the uh, what's called the Keystone Store, which is a store that was back at the time of Joseph Smith, that has some historical significance. But for me, it's a it was a lentil for a door that uh, that has some like inscriptions that almost look like sun rays going off from it. Uh, in addition to the Keystone, and if you measure from the from the center of the Keystone out to the longest arm of the of the beam, because one side had a a little piece broken off. Uh, it would be a, a lintel for a door that'd be four and a half to five feet wide, which would be a, a substantial door, which means that that was probably a pretty cool door lintel just to be just to be sitting there. So, uh, so, anyway, so, so we get down into the thing and I realize it's a vault. And so I'm thinking, aha, could this be, you know, the, the, the tomb? So I talked to a friend of mine who lives in, in St. George and, and he's the film director at Dixie State University. And uh, I've worked with him for over 10 years with the Doc Utah Film Festival uh, that we do down here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I talked to him, I says, well, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you grab your, you know, a couple of your students, we go back to Nauvoo and we do a documentary about the, the Tomb of Joseph because I never heard of it. And I thought, what a cool story that would be. You could talk about the, the martyrdom, the, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and the university basically said, no, you can't grab students in the middle of a pandemic and, and, and travel across the country. So he reached out to his, to his professional friends and said, hey, I've got this idea for a documentary. You know, what do you think? You know, could you be on board? And because all of the productions have been shut down through COVID, we were able to grab really an A-list of, of, of filmmakers to, to join us on the film. The, the most notable is, is T.C. Christensen, the filmmaker from 17 Miracles, Fighting Preacher. He's on board as the, the director of photography. We have others that uh, have worked on productions from uh, you know church productions all the way to Touched by an Angel years ago. And so it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great group of, of filmmakers that, that's been pulled together for, for this documentary that we're doing. So that, that's pretty cool. I have some questions before we talk more about the film. Uh, okay. the, the first of which would be, uh, at what point did you say, hey, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I, am, I found this place and you should see it. Or historian, come verify this or authenticate it. Or have you? So as part of the, the documentary, we've, we've done all of that. We've mm-hmm. reached out to the uh, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, also to the Community of Christ, other local historians that, that have been Nauvoo, in Nauvoo for years. So we've gotten a, a huge cross-section of, 
of historians that have provided input into the into the documentary, and 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 it was important for me to, uh, as far as the, the documentary goes, because the history of the of the martyrdom and the that Nauvoo period, it it is very important to to our church for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, but it's also important for the the community Christ community of Christ who's still. Uh, to still in Nauvoo, you know, to a large extent, and I and to if if we had we you know contacted the church and wanted to uh, you know say coincide with the, the church to develop this documentary, I didn't want it to be uh, I don't want to use the term whitewash, but but kind of to that extent where where it might have been uh, tainted to not include you know what what may have uh, been important doctrine for the, the community of Christ. So yeah, to be all so inclusive it, so that the whole story gets told. Instead exactly. Of one point I, just of wanted, view. I just wanted it to be just the, the facts of the history that, that happened. And, 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 and so the, the vault that was in front of, of my uh, store, it didn't really matter to me whether or not that was, was the tomb or not. It was actually to be able to, to tell the, the story of the, of the tomb. So my next question is, is who is William Weeks? Obviously an architect, but what, what is his relationship? Was he a member of the church? Was he just commissioned? Give me a little bit about him. So, so he, was a, he was a member of the church, and, and he did the, did the original architectural drawings of the Nauvoo Temple okay. and also did the architectural drawings of the, of the tomb. And there's a story about uh, William Weeks where you know, his architectural drawings were passed down uh, to family members, and uh, and they'd fallen away from the church at, at some point. I, I don't know all the history behind that, but some missionaries had tracked it into that family, and they said, and I think I want to, and again, I'm going to guess and say it's like in the 70s, and so I'm just going to say that, mm -hmm. but it could be before that, or after, I don't really don't know. But anyway, they said, hey, we've got some drawings that might be important to to your church. So they went and grabbed those architectural drawings and gave them to the to the missionaries, and it was the the actual drawings from William Weeks for the the original Nauvoo Temple, and and those were kind of the drawings that uh, that President Hinckley went off of to uh, to basically be able to recreate the the Nauvoo Temple to be pretty much almost exactly the same to as to the old temple back in the day. So when you consider that this may or may not be the vault or the tomb, uh, now that you have started to do this film project, and, and I would ask, I guess right now, when are people going to get the chance to see it? We're actually looking to, to release the film in November uh, at the DocuTop Film Festival uh, down here in St. George. And I would imagine that in some element or some aspect, people across the country or world would be able to see it, perhaps? Absolutely. And and. I'm kind of leaving it up to the to the professionals, you know, that are that are on the project as to the the form that that this gets released. Uh, right now, it's it's looking like it'll come out as a as a as a feature film documentary. But there's but we have so much material that you know, I mean, we could do a, a ten part series if if we wanted to. So so it might come out as a, as the feature film and then look at, at other other things to possibly, you know, releases companion, you know, videos or something afterwards. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, what about the actual room? Is it something that if I were to come to said business in Nauvoo that I could, you know, flash you a 20 or say a secret password and be able to go down and check it out? Or is it barred off to the public? Well, so, well, it's interesting that you say that. So 
So what what my intent with the with the vault was uh, to actually convert a portion of the the building into a museum to the 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 tomb of Joseph. And so uh, so initially, what we looked at doing is uh, you know building a, a a hallway, basically from the the building out to the to the vault, so that you could kind of go down that hallway you know and take a take a look at the vault. But actually building a or uh, excavating a, a narrow, you know, hallway trench created some some safety issues uh, because of collapsing soil and, and stuff like that. So because we'd have to to widen the hole so far because of the depth that we'd have to go, I said, well, if we're going to be pulling out all that much soil, why don't we just expand the the exhibit room to uh, to be a, a, a much bigger space? So it's not just a hallway; it'll be just a big room. That, that would go out to it. So as we've as we've as we've looked at that, it, it actually has created some opportunities to to actually allow you to come in, see the see the vault as it's been ex- exposed uh, to the extent that it has, and then be able to to either go in or, or look in. We're we're trying to work through all the the safety issues and and stuff. But but yeah, we're we're hoping to get access as much as possible into the into the vault. You know, when you think of all of the terrible things that came about from COVID-19, uh, what a what an awesome thing, whether this is the, you know, the actual tomb or vault of where the, the Prophet Joseph was to be laid or not, what a cool experience to have come out of it. Absolutely. Well, it's it's been the, the most bizarre, bizarre blessing. Yeah, I mean, imagine here we are, we're, we're going to do this film. We're in Nauvoo in the in the middle of the summer. Everything's green and 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 stuff. And we're uh, the filmmakers had a, a drone pilot come out to to Nauvoo to to shoot you know some of the scenery and flying across the Mississippi and towards the temple and different stuff. And all of that that footage, there's no tourists anywhere. Yeah. So it's all like we we've. we've complete, cleared the whole town to you know for all of the difference and some of the the shots that that we got from that to me would, would make a, a fascinating just Nauvoo uh, documentary just, just because of the drone footage with nobody there. So we were able to, to do some, some neat things because of, because of COVID, uh, which, you know, oddly enough has, has actually been a, been a blessing. From a faith perspective, does it matter to you whether it is or it isn't the, the tomb where Joseph would have been laid? No, no. You know uh, the important the thing to to me about the about the tomb that 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 is important is why why did Joseph need a tomb why why did he even ask for a tomb why did he want a tomb and and as we've researched it the thing that that is faith building to to me is that the tomb would have been the the physical manifestation of the of the doctrine of uh, of eternal families and and the resurrection. Because he he wrote somewhere and and again I'm gonna I'm gonna it'll probably be blasphemy the way I say it but but he basically wanted to wake up on the morning of the first resurrection and say like oh mother oh father you know high five we made it something like something to that effect which really encapsulates he wanted to be there with his family he wanted his family to be there he wanted Alvin to be there he wanted uh, his other you know siblings and children that, that they'd lost along the way to be there uh, with them you know when they when they arose and so so knowing that when he was alive that's the the thing that 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 makes it important to be able to tell that story 
if people want to be able to either follow the process of the film, I would imagine there will be a trailer and maybe people want to fi give financial support, et cetera. How can they follow all the updates from uh, the film? And what is it going to be called? So right now, well, we have a website called uh, tombofjoseph.com that you can go to. And there's a, a link where you can put in your, your email so that we can keep in, in touch with you to keep you apprised of what's going on. That's probably the, the the easiest thing. As far as the the name of the film, there that's kind of up for debate. We're I'm leaning towards uh, Tuma Joseph. Uh, TC has has some some other ideas that uh, that we've been, kind of been kicking around. So we'll we'll kind of see, but it'll be something along those lines, I I imagine. And available November of 2021. That's Correct. pretty. That's pretty remarkable. That's awesome. Such yep. such a cool uh, find. Uh, cool experience, a uh, way to pass the time during a global pandemic. I mean, if you're going to do it, why not, you know, why not allegedly or supposedly or maybe uh, find the, the the tomb of the first prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? Amen. That's right. I, I don't know why not. You know, uh, Brian, there is three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, and I will ask those questions of you right now. The first okay. question is, is do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? So I am the uh, Sunday school teacher for the, I guess, what would be the pre-stage, and it's not Laurel anymore, but the, the older youth. Okay. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one completely up, what would you pick? So I, I've, I've held a multitude of callings through, throughout the ward from Elders Quorum a couple of times, uh, Elders Quorum president a couple of times, ward mission leader a couple of times, young men's leader uh, president a couple of times. But my favorite calling was actually uh, being a primary worker because you get to eat snacks. <laughs> so. A man by my own heart. I love it. Yeah. The final question that we ask everyone, and we ask you to interpret it however you may, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Well, the, my, my faith is, uh, boy, that's a, that's a great question because it, it well, f for me, I, I, I wasn't, uh, wasn't raised a, a member of the, the church. And, uh, and so having the, the missionaries come and come and teach me. And, and I, I, I remember, uh, back when, when they, when they came and came and taught me and, and I was, uh, fairly cocky back then, I guess I'm probably still cocky now, but, uh, but I, I remember telling the, the missionaries because I'd, I'd studied in at Cambridge university and graduated with honors and all these different things. And I remember telling them said, look, I'm going to convince you that, you know, that this church is not true and, <laughs> you know, and none of this baloney that, that you guys are talking about is, is correct. But the thing that I couldn't deny when I went to the, the sacrament meeting, when they were talking and I went there with my wife because she wanted to start going to church and I went there to support her. I couldn't deny the, the spirit that I, that I felt. And when uh, they challenged me to, to read the book of Mormon you know, and they tell me this preposterous story about, you know, this 14 year old praising a grove and, you know, plates and stuff. And I'm like, this is the silliest story in the world. And, and I remember sitting, sitting at work the next day and, and I'm thinking, you know, vividly in my mind, I'm like, if there were plates, you know, I need five plates. You know, and I'm like, if there were plates, somebody would have seen them. And I turned the page and I read the, the testimony of the witnesses. And it was just a, another confirmation. And and, and every question that popped into my head as I as I flipped the page just further confirmed the the truthfulness of it. 
and uh, and it's really changed. It's changed my life. It's uh, helped uh, helped us make a lot of a lot of decisions that we that we wouldn't have made otherwise for for my wife and I. And it's it's been a blessing for our kids. It's yeah, I can't. So, anyways, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, or absolutely, if I went tangent, absolutely. But. Well, we, we appreciate your time, and uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. I know we're going through a lot right now. Many states are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely. One of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly. One with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, if you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, we've arranged with some banks to offer 12-month special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now, because at PC Laptops, we're here for you, and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. All right, so here in the second half of uh, this episode, uh, we are going to talk with Joseph Johnston, uh, sort of about like the, uh, the history of the tomb, uh, why it was built even in the first place, um, and also a lot of the story around the various burial places of Joseph Smith, um, but I need to give proper props to Matthew Godfrey, uh, who has been on several episodes of the Cultural Hall. Uh, he said, well, I reached out to him. I said, who do you got? Which is mostly what I do to him. I say, this is what I want to talk about. Who should we talk to? And he said, listen, you would be a fool if you don't get Joseph Johnston here uh, in the Cultural Hall to talk about it. Sir, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Now Thanks you are, uh, let's establish this. You are in Iowa. Uh, give us an idea of, of what you do out there. What? Give us a little Joseph background. You're Joseph. I am Joseph, yes. <laughs> um, I used to be the director of tourism for the city of Nauvoo, and it was awfully fun. I could always tell when a Mormon was calling uh, because I'd answer the phone and say, thank you for calling beautiful historic Nauvoo. This is Joseph. How can I help you? <laughs> And if it was a member of the church, there would always be a long pause. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of the city of Joseph, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> How did you get to do that? How did you become the that position there in Nauvoo? Oh, interviews, work, <laughs> blood, sweat, tears. It was quite the job. It was during the Temple Open House, actually. 
And uh, that was a lot of work. Now you are, um, to Matthew's uh, recommendation, when talking about Joseph Smith and talking about Nauvoo, he said, there is none greater than you. Why are you so passionate about this? Um, well, back on my mission, um, my parents made the mistake of mailing me a copy of my great-great-grandfather's reminiscence, just a regular average member of the church and uh, had some extraordinary things happen in his life. But uh, the thing that really got me was that uh, he was on his mission almost 150 years exactly before I was on mine in Texas. And uh, the same anti-Mormonism that he was getting in Illinois and Indiana, I was getting in Texas. <laughs> so we kind of had this bond going on through the centuries. And uh, that just completely changed my outlook and, and direction in life. And uh, came out to Nauvoo for the first time for the sesquicentennial of the martyrdom. And uh, so if I know if I know terms right and years right, I want to say that is 1994. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just fell in love with the area. And it's as if Heavenly Father said, well, I'm glad you like it because that's where I want you. <laughs> so. so so were you before uh, coming to Nauvoo for the first time? Are you a historian by trade or by passion? Both. Very much by both. Uh, before my mission, I was all Revolutionary War. But uh, since my mission, I've delved deeply into uh, the Nauvoo period in particular and uh, the, the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith in particular. That's been my work for more than 30 years now. And that one topic, and it's it's... My wife is ready for me to write my book and have it done with. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, even as most recently, as we learned in the first part of this episode, still discovering and still learning new things. Now, we don't know, uh, as Brian was very emphatic at saying, we don't know that that was the tomb. Sure, it matches dimensions and anything like that uh, or everything like that. I would be curious. Um, tell us a little bit about just the, the fact that Joseph had a tomb built. Okay. It's, it's a really fun and interesting story. Following the death of Father Smith, Joseph Smith really started thinking a lot about uh, uh, mortality, and particularly um, in the spring of 1842, he really started focusing uh, on his own impending demise. And that's where he first really starts talking about, oh, I'm not going to be long with you. Um, there are several different stories in regards to that and, and uh, ordered a tomb to be constructed for his family and also for Sidney Rigdon's family. And it's a very unique structure that he had uh, on order there. Uh, he commissioned William Weeks, the same architect of the Nauvoo Temple and uh, a couple of other buildings in the Nauvoo area and uh, had it constructed and it was far enough along by September of 1842 that he was able to call it complete. However, we do know that uh, it wasn't actually completed at that time uh, because on his way out to Carthage for his last trip, 
he called out to a friend and said, have the doors hung and the floors laid to my tomb. Hmm. So we know that there was that much that at least that still needed to happen to finish it off. And if I remember correctly, it was in October of 44 when uh, the bill was submitted for having completed all those those tasks on the tomb. Now, something that stuck out to, to me in the conversation that I had uh, was that it was likened to the to President Harrison's tomb. Yes. Is is that significant in that, um, you know, similarly presidents that we we sort of give that prestige even in life as in death? Um, was it um, like is that is that just happenstance, do we think? Uh, no, actually, I, th- I think that uh, it, it was in regard to Harrison's tomb as a great leader. I think it was intentional like that, uh, because Harrison's tomb is also kind of a, a, boy, what's the best way to describe this architecturally? Uh, a, a Gothic Egyptian revival. Uh, so it's both plain and pyramidal in shape. Not a whole lot of ornamentation or decoration to it or anything like that. It's not nearly as as beautiful architecturally as as George Washington's tomb, but it is quite remarkable and quite striking. One of the most interesting things about Joseph Smith's tomb, uh, and it's considerably different than any other tomb that I've ever seen or studied about, is that uh, it had a very unique feature. Uh, well, a couple of very unique features. One is it's two-chambered for the Smith and Rigdon families. But then also underneath it, there was a uh, a water feature of some kind uh, that William Weeks has in the drawings there. And it's very interesting. So what I hear about this and what I can recollect, like I say, from the previous conversation that we had, is that this seems to check all of the boxes that this, you know, this discovery, this COVID miracle of, of <laughs> discovering a, of a tomb, that this, in fact, seem, seems to be this very thing. I know that we, well, let me ask, can we know? Do we know that that's what this is? We can know one way or another, but it's going to take some, some uh, historical work to get us there. There are some differences between the structure that... Uh, that uh, is on Brian's property from Weeks drawings. For instance, the the uh, uh, place that Brian has found is a single chamber, whereas the tomb, as illustrated by by Weeks, is two chambers. Which, which uh, I I know from visiting with him because of the sort of the the breakup, for lack of a better term, between the Rigdon family and the Smith family, maybe the other half was just like, nah, forget it. Rigdon can, Rigdon can build his own. Uh, well, actually, in spite of in spite of all the stories we've heard and everything, it's quite clear that Rigdon and Smith were still very good friends right up to the very end. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's one thing. Are there other features as, uh, I mean, cause it, it, it isn't definitive at least at this point, or at least that you're going to tip your hand and let me know what are some of the other things that we're kind of looking at to know, well, this has this, and that clearly couldn't be where Joseph would be buried. Uh, we have to look at dimensions. We have to compare it with, uh, statements of people. We have to check property ownership. 
just a whole bunch of different things. Uh, uh, and and uh, uh, the architecture in and of itself, um, doing some more excavating of the uh, south wall of it, the exterior south wall of it needs to happen to give us a better view of, of what the south face of it looked like. When you found out that this place had been discovered, first of all, I guess I would ask, have other places been discovered? And we've said, this is the tomb. And then it came out to be not. And then if, if, and, if and in fact that was or wasn't the case, what was your response when you found out ab- about this particular discovery? When I first found out about this place, it was shortly after the temple was opened. Uh, Zion's Mercantile had been built, but uh, the, the good people from Utah who had built it thought that they needed to install a sprinkler system, not understanding that we get enough water out here to keep grass green until you don't want it green. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the process of, of their installation of the sprinkler system, if I remember correctly, it was uh, in the autumn of, of uh, 2002. So just a couple of months after the temple was dedicated, they were digging in the uh, front yard there and came across the stone. Well, Brian's told you all about that. Sure. So, so a friend of mine said to Joseph, have you heard what's going on in Nauvoo? And I, I, at the time I was out visiting family in Utah. Uh, and I said, no, what's going on? Well, they found a tunnel. They found a tunnel by the temple. And I said, well, there are a lot of great stories about that. We've never actually found one. So uh, uh, it took, boy, what is it now, 18 years, <laughs> almost 19 years to, to actually get this thing excavated, to, to go inside and see what it is. Yeah, uh, I've been waiting a long time to take a look at this place. <laughs> Have there been similar discoveries in the past where we've thought, oh, hey, because whether whether or not this um, this turns out to be said tomb, I mean, it is exciting. It's certainly of the period. It, it certainly is very historical and noteworthy. But have there been other things like this found? Yes, uh, there are. There are several different places that have been proposed as being the location for for the tomb of Joseph. And uh, let me run through the numbers in my head. Three of them were still existing into the early 1970s. Hmm. Two of them are still existing. And uh, one of them is a block south of the temple. It's a wine cellar. And it was proposed that that was the, the location. Another one is about two blocks south of the temple off a di- slightly different direction. And uh, uh, also a wine cellar, and, and uh, people got really excited about that and, and uh, started making all kinds of noise about that back, um, oh, I guess it was about 15 years ago. But neither one of those has proven to be corresponding historically or architecturally or even archaeologically with the tomb of Joseph. But this, uh, but this one at present day and this time, though we don't know that it is, it's still questionable enough that we can say, well, we don't know. Uh, it's it's ticking some boxes, but there are some other boxes that aren't being ticked, so it it has to be investigated. How exciting is that? It's pretty exciting. It's always exciting when something new comes up. It's always exciting when something new comes up. It's a lot of fun. 
Now, on you know, uh, for for a long time, uh, people have been telling me, "Oh, why are you getting interested in Nauvoo? That's over and done with. Everybody's published on that. We know all there is to know about Nauvoo." No, there, we're always finding new stuff about Nauvoo. We're always finding new stuff. Are you allowed to be, or are you a part of the team that's sort of ex- excavating and verifying? Yes. How yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I hope, and I made this joke with Brian, but I'll make it similarly with you. I hope that you have a fedora and a bullwhip uh, on your side as, as you do the entire project. Yes. Yeah, actually, it was kind of funny when uh, when I first presented my paper back in 2005 on the Tomb of Joseph at the Mormon History Association Conference, uh, the moderator after I finished, he called me the Indiana Jones of Nauvoo. <laughs> so, yeah, since that time, I've had to get a fedora. Yeah. Already had a bullwhip. Yeah. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah, which leads to the next question that I'm not going to ask, but it's in my brain. Why did he already have a bullwhip? But we'll move along. Uh, I want to talk about, because I don't know that we talk a ton about it, um, and it's not often that we have the foremost on the uh, martyrdom of the Prophet Joseph and Hiram about, like, like we're going to put the body here. No, 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 wait. Let's put it over here. No, wait. Don't tell anybody where we put it. No, let's dig it up and bury it. Start right after the martyrdom and then to where he is laid rest today. Okay, this is a fun one that I could probably do an hour on easily. <laughs> Let's see, I'll try, and, I'll try and make it a lot shorter for you though. After Joseph and Hiram were killed, uh, their, their remains were taken to the Hamilton House Hotel in Carthage. Uh, they were washed and cleaned, um, shaved from, for the stubble, uh, and then prepared for transportation back to Nauvoo the next day. Uh, the 28th of June, Willard Richards drove uh, one wagon and with Samuel Smith and Ardius Hamilton and, and uh, one or two of his sons came in another wagon bringing Hiram's remains back to Nauvoo. When they got back to Nauvoo, they took them into the uh, mansion. The bodies were again cleaned and prepared. Uh, death masks were made, and uh, that's when the families got to see the remains, is after they were cleaned and made presentable again. A quick pause. Uh, uh, w- for people that don't know uh, the purpose and what death masks are. Uh, let's see. Death masks are, boy, how do I sound th- say this and not sound morbid? Uh, death masks are really cool, actually. There was there was uh, 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 very little photography going on. The daguerreotype had been invented in 1839. By 1844, it had not uh, made it to Nauvoo by the time of the martyrdom. It didn't come until September of 1844. So just missed getting an image of Joseph Smith. Portraits were painted, but... Uh, any portrait is down to artistic interpretation. And uh, a death mask is a, a, a plaster cast of a person's face. And it is really cool. It preserves that last moment that we have of them before they're interred. There are several people who had life casts made 
so you could do it while you were still alive, but uh, it was it was a final memento mori, uh, a final way of preserving what a person looked like. Um, and we have those for both Joseph and Hiram, and they are just a fantastic record of what the two brothers, the prophet and the patriarch, looked like on the 28th of June, 1844. And so, um, and so they're brought to be seen by then family, and then, as I understand it, uh, sort of, um, I forget the term, but laid so that the church could come and, and pay their respects. What's that term? Why can't I think of it? Uh, laid, laying out, laying in state. Laying in state, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, the 29th uh, was the uh, public viewing of the remains of the prophet and patriarch after, after well, the, the quotes of size vary, usually number around 10,000 people having come to see the remains that day. Uh, then they were hidden away. Uh, the remains were hidden in a, in a, separate room in the mansion house and a, a false set of coffins was taken out to the cemetery out at the east end of Nauvoo and interred out there. That night, the remains were secretly buried in the foundations of the Nauvoo house while it was still under construction. Only the uh, uh, basement level had been constructed by that time. So they were buried in the, in the ground there and then rubble placed atop so it would be really difficult to find. And then a rainstorm came through and, and completely obliterated any clue that that's where they could be buried at. In the fall of 1844 is when the uh, tomb was finished being constructed. And that's when Brigham Young and Emma Smith really started to come to heads as to where the body should be buried. Because Joseph Smith had talked with members of the Quorum of the Twelve and, and a couple of other people and said, if I die, I want you to bring my body back to Nauvoo and I want to be buried in my tomb and I want you to bring all my family back together and have them interred in the tomb there with me. And uh, so Brigham talked and pleaded with Emma and uh, tried to get the bodies to put them in the tomb and Emma just adamantly refused. Uh, there was still a $1,000 bounty on the head of Joseph Smith. And, you know, we, we kind of think that that's uh, 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 hyperbole. Uh, but no, that is an actual offer. There, people really wanted the head of Joseph Smith. Uh, in 1839, well, 1838, uh, Chief Blackhawk of the Sockamasquaki tribes, uh, great military leader of those tribes, he passed away in 1838. In 1839, somebody broke into his grave, stole his head, boiled the flesh off and put it on display and then thought, oh, this is too cool. And then went back and got the rest of his remains and uh, boiled the flesh off of them and, and showed his bones charging a nickel per view and did that for years and years and years. 
uh, in Burlington, Iowa, just up the river from us here. Hmm. So, so, for, it was so for fear of, yeah, for fear of something like that happening, she said, Emma, as the story goes, said, no, forget it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that's so, not the end of the story. <laughs> oh, not by a long shot. Brigham Young said uh, in, in one of his public sermons, well, we've done our due diligence. We have asked Sister Emma to let us inter the prophet in the tomb here, but she won't let us. So if Joseph's got a problem with that, he can talk with Emma about it, not us. <laughs> we've done our duty. Then uh, 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 Emma got scared at that point and thought that somebody may try and uh, do Brigham's bidding and remove the remains from the foundations of the Nauvoo house because the Nauvoo house was not Smith family property, technically. That was church property. And Brigham Young, as the new trustee in trust for the church, or the new head of the church there, had control of church property, of course. So uh, 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 Emma had the remains removed from there in the fall of 1844, taken over to the front yard of the homestead and interred in one of the outbuildings there, right there on the banks of the Mississippi River. And uh, there they remained for a couple of years after, after Brigham Young had gone started to go west. Uh, there's this great letter that uh, uh, one of the guys with the Joseph Smith papers showed to me that uh, I think is just absolutely terrific. He says that uh, in, this, in this letter to Brigham Young, he says, well, Emma's gone out of town. We think we know where the bodies are buried. If you want us to dig them up, let me know. We'll get them and we'll take them west with us. Wow. Yeah. And they didn't, or they did. Okay. They didn't. They didn't. And we know that they didn't because <laughs> uh, shortly thereafter, when Emma came back into town, she had the remains dug up again and buried on the farm of a non Mormon who was not friendly to Brigham Young, but was very friendly to Emma. And uh, there they remain for for many years. Uh, don't know how long, but uh, Joseph F. Smith, the son of Hiram Smith, said that was, they were there long enough that uh, that was where they were interred when David Hiram Smith, the son that Emma was pregnant with when the martyrdom occurred, uh, uh, Joseph F. Smith says that it was while they were still interred there, that's when David Hiram wrote his poem, The Unknown Grave. Uh, so sometime thereafter, Emma had the bodies dug up one more time and reburied back on the homestead property in the confines of the Smith family cemetery, but within uh, what they call the spring house or the bee house, it, it gets a couple of different names. And uh, uh, there they remained until 1929, when as the Mississippi River was rising, the uh, uh, descendants of Joseph Smith III got worried that uh, the river might wash away what was left. And so they uh, sent a couple, 
an archaeological team out here to Nauvoo and, and they started excavating and uh, they eventually came across the bones of the prophet and the patriarch. And then they, after that, they were reinterred one final time. And we know that this is the final time that they will be reinterred because they encased the coffins in concrete. Hmm. So there's no getting them out now. <laughs> well, if history has taught us anything, there's some way of getting them out, but probably not. Is that where they lay rest now in Nauvoo? When you go to the city of Nauvoo and you see the uh, gravesite of the Prophet Joseph of Hiram and of Emma, that's where they've been laid to rest? Yes. Yep. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was in... Uh, either 1989 or 1990 that the Smith family organization uh, in cooperation with the community of Christ, that's when they set the new memorial on top, the beautiful granite memorial that's on there. Yeah, for people listening who, if you've ever had the opportunity to be to, in Nauvoo, you, it, it's one of the most striking parts of being in Nauvoo. If you've not been, take the opportunity when you're there. There's lots to see, especially with the temple and all of the other things. Uh, I can't imagine that any tour guide, any self-respecting tour guide, would let you be in Nauvoo and not see that. But be sure, as one of the things that you see while you're there, to be able to see where they're they're finally laid to rest. Uh, a, a perhaps morbid question, um, but but a curious one uh, all the same. We know that it was them laid for their final rest because of some historical artifacts, or was DNA testing done, or are we really sure that it's them? Well, I'd say we're 99% sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no DNA testing because, again, it was 1929. Right. Yeah, the, the, the uh, remains were identified as being Joseph and Hiram. Um, there was, of course, no flesh, and, and several of the bones had rotted away. The, uh, the remains that were originally identified as Hiram were identified as such because of a bullet wound in the head. However, in uh, the years that have gone by, we've discovered that uh, the archeological team didn't have access to the death masks that showed where Hiram was wounded in the head and uh, misidentified the remains. So I'll let that sink in there. So who, what? The Joseph's remains are are under Hiram's name, and Hiram's remains are under Joseph's name. Very likely. My mouth is agape for people who aren't watching this on our Patreon video. I can't believe that. It's pretty cool. Some of the fun stuff. So, as a good friend of mine, Lachlan Mackay, likes to say, yet again, Hiram is between Joseph and Emma. <laughs> Wow. So, you know, being respectful to your time and certainly that now we've sort of shared this story, I am going to echo the same sentiment uh, of your wife. When are we getting the book, Joseph? When is this book coming? Well, believe it or not, I am actively working on it. Uh, I have just completed the uh, proofreading of the, let me remember the number, I believe it's seven different uh, transcripts 
of the trial, the murder trial for the murder of Joseph Smith. Hmm. Going to go through and I'll line those up and hopefully, and I'm going to knock on wood here. Everybody knock on wood with me. Hopefully within the next 10 years, this will be. (laughs) If it's not finished within the next 10 years, I may be finished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seriously though, um, I've collected somewhere in the neighborhood of boy, it's gotta be more than 10,000 documents relating to the martyrdom. Wow. Uh, uh, Different stories or or just what have you different different pieces of information that each give either a corroborating or unique perspective on the events of june 1844 Hmm. 10,000 documents about one month of the pro no i'm sure it it extends uh, beyond that but oh my goodness that that just makes me excited. I'm a little nerdy for stuff like that, and I can tell yeah. I'm in good company as you're just like, yes, and there's probably more, and how do I put this in a book? And and I can wait 10 years, but not a day more, Joseph, not a day more than 10 years. All right, let's mark the calendars. Okay. Uh, you know, we, uh, we ask three questions of everyone who steps into the cultural hall, so I will ask those of you right now. The first question is, is do you have a calling, sir? And if so, what is it? Uh, right now I am first counselor in the Sunday school presidency. If you could pick a calling for yourself, uh, either make one up or one that exists, what would you pick? I liked my mission president's answer to that one. And so I'm going to go with it. Primary teacher in the Salt Lake 18th ward. (laughs) There are no children in that ward. (laughs) Is the Salt Salt Lake 18th ward the one that the prophet's in that meets in the, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. The final question that we ask everyone and ask you to interpret it however you will, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Love. The eternity of love. I love that answer. Uh, We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat.